Welcome everyone to the Cardano Effect Podcast, episode 87. The purpose of this podcast is to take high-level developer information and projects that are occurring within the Cardano space and break them down into bite-sized, consumable pieces of information for everyday use. I'm your host, Philippe, and let's get this podcast started. This is the official quarantine and crypto podcast, so please watch us during these quarantine months or weeks, however long it is, and we hope that everyone is staying safe. This is our weekly live stream where Rick and I, the two hosts of the Cardano Effect, go over the latest Cardano news and events that happened within the last couple of weeks. It staggers. So you sometimes we do it every week, sometimes we do it every other week, but this is our live stream series. It gives us an opportunity to communicate with you in the chat and really get some audience feedback. So we are going to get right into the mix of things. We want to remind everyone that none of what we say on this podcast is financial advice. Remember, you are your best financial advisor, and if you don't think you are, you need to find someone who's qualified to do so. So without further ado, it is Saturday morning. How are you doing, Rick? What's going on? What's happening? Hey, Philippe, how you doing? It's going very well, thanks. Good morning. I'd like to give a shout out to the Cardano Foundation for sponsoring this podcast. Thank you very much for your support. And remind new viewers that this podcast is available on all audio streaming platforms. We just broke 50,000 unique downloads this week, so that was great. Thank you, everyone. Thank ev Thanks, everyone, for your support. 50,000 unique downloads for a podcast and crypto is significant. We're doing well, sir. Yes, we are. Yes, okay. we are. I would like to add another number up in the thousands, and that's Yoroi. Yoroi has added over tens of thousands of line of code, like five-digit numbers and lines of code, and they just released the newest version of Yoroi Wallet, which allows multiple wallets per instance of Yoroi. So well done, Emergo. Thank you very much. Congratulations. And let everyone want to let everyone know if you haven't got the latest Yoroi extension that it, that it now supports multiple wallets. And it will also have uh, support provided on the uh, testnet coming up. And uh, Philippe, you had a piece of news too also with the... Yes, from the Cardano Foundation. So I want to... Give a quick shout out again to the Cardano Foundation. Thank you again for supporting this podcast. We really appreciate you. We've had a blast working with the foundation. We used to be sponsored by IOHK. We moved over to the foundation and these past couple of months have been really, really great. So their recent news that they want to announce is on April 30th, I believe, they're pleased to announce the launch of the phase two program for the Cardano ambassadors. So Cardano ambassadors, they can vary from content creators, to language translators, uh, people who write articles, people who moderate. There are lots of different roles within the community. And now Cardano Foundation is slowly starting to roll out programs in order to incentivize the work that these ambassadors do. Everyone is doing this unpaid, so it's more or less rewarding people for putting that time in and building a stronger Cardano community. I think it's wonderful. So we're going to learn more about that probably within the next few weeks, exactly what the mechanics are. But the phase two of that program has been released. So shout out to the Cardano Foundation for that. Yeah. All right. So, Philippe, I'm going to get right into it. Uh, we got there's, there's a question in here. Tell us what you really feel about Pledge. Tell us what you really think about Pledge <laughs> from SRL 1965. That's what we're here to do. So yeah. two key points this podcast, what is Pledge or what should it be? And slot battles, and we'll touch on that one on the second half of the podcast. So the first one, what is Pledge? Well, I got to tell you, man, how I really feel is I'm disappointed that Pledge was not uh, put out before the Rust ITN. Um, I'm disappointed that it was not tested. I'm disappointed that it's not being employed on 
the Rust ITN. I think it was supposed to be because it's in the ITN Daedalus. Daedalus has it right there. When you issue your certificate on the ITN as a pool operator, you apply pledge. It's part of the certificate that you issue to create the pool. So there was every intention of doing it on the Rust ITN, but it was not implemented. And I don't know why. And I think it's very unfortunate. And then the second part about pledge is we're, we're approaching the Haskell test net, which is going to be using fake ADA. And then we're going to go into the main net where pledge will be employed. The problem is pool operators need to know what the number is for pledge, not some crazy variable that came out of a lab. They need to know a number, a precise what is pledge. They need to make business plans. Pool operators out there, I've talked to them in chat. Uh, you see them in, in all the chat channels that are any, have anything to do with running a pool. They need to know what pledge is so they can make critical business decisions. And it's very unfortunate that it is not talked about yet and no one's putting information out. Why? You know, so the key that we need to do today is we need to start the conversation and get your inputs and say, what should pledge be and why? How do you determine what pledge is? Philippe, your thoughts? Yes, exactly. Exactly. And just to give a quick recap, because pool operators may understand this with a greater degree of understanding versus people who are delegating to pools. But this is going to be very important for both delegators and stake pool operators because the landscape of pool operators is about to change drastically based on the implementation of this pledge. Rick and I have been talking about it. Trust me, we have been we have been sending questions out, trying to get a representative to give us that hard number. What is it? You've heard us float numbers around, and we're not floating these numbers around from nowhere. We're floating them around because we've seen documentation. Yep. We're not going to share the documentation that we see because that's not our documentation to show. But we are not wrong. So I just want to establish that. We're not just pulling these numbers out of thin air. I just want to let everyone know that, and I don't want to get too riled up before we even start. Yeah, no, we, I know. I got a little bit wound up tight before we started the podcast, but we took a few moments to take a breath because we just started talking about saying, why is it so vague? Why is it so difficult? Well, I'll tell you why it's so difficult. Here's why, it's so, here's why Pledge hasn't been put out yet. This is my guess. This is a guess. It's because some scientist came up with a mathematical answer, and it's up in the millions. And, and they gave that mathematical answer to a marketer. And the marketer said, no way, I can't market that number. It's too big. Give me a smaller number. And so th there's probably a debate going on behind the scenes. I don't know. Maybe there is. Maybe not. Debate going on behind the scenes about what pledge should be. Because what would you do if it was – I made a video this week. It got more views faster than any video I ever made because I make boring videos. But my video on my other channel, 1,700 views. I said pledge should be 3 million. Because I just go to Wallet 1000 Countdown to get 3 million. So if you're a pool operator, what would you say if the pledge came out as 3 million? Well, that's going to be very difficult to meet. And if the pool operators have a pledge, a minimum pledge of 3 million, and that increases their ROS, it's very hard to compete to get any blocks, to deliver any sorts of return on stake to the investors. It may be worth it for just a lot of pool operators, including myself, to just delegate to a pool rather than running a pool. Mm -hmm. This is why people need to know before it gets released. I'm not talking about a week or two because yeah, that's- Or the, the Friday before Monday start. 
Exactly, exactly. Because this is the same thing that's been happening since the beginning of the ITN. There's very little documentation in advance for the stake pool operators. If a stake pool operator wants to run a business, they need enough time. I mean, I'm talking about right now, let's say the main net hits in two months. I'm going to go take out a small business loan or I'm going to do this or I'm going to pool investment from this person or this person. That doesn't happen in a week. That does not happen in a week. So it needs to, the number needs to be shown. So you either decide you're going to move forward or you're going to close up shop. Mm -hmm. Either way, the information needs to be put out there. Yep. So how do we determine what pledge is? How do you figure it out? Uh, Do you let the scientists in the lab make the final call regardless of what the pool operator has in their pocket? Or, okay, that's one way of doing it. All right. Someone runs the math, they make a graph and say, here's the number, you know. 2.4 million or whatever that number is, right? Or do you do a survey on Twitter? Like I do Twitter surveys. And and who's responsible for that? Is it IOHK or the Cardano Foundation? Who should set the number? Those are all good questions that people should be asking that should have been answered months ago. Yes. (laughs) That's all there's to it. Why the heck are we still asking? Philippe, I I knew what ETH, what what is the stake on ETH? 32. 32. 32. Why did I know that? Like I've known that for months. We've known that for a while. How come and they were able to put out a number? <laughs> anyone that has has been interested in staking for ETH or Ethereum has had plenty of time to start preparing for the time, whether they want to have 500 Ethereum or they want to have 32 Ethereum. Yeah. Regardless, they have an idea floating in the back of their mind, and they've had over a year to really sit there and say, I'm going to make this investment today, or I'm maybe going to wait until the price goes down to make that investment. Whatever the case may be, they're given the time. So that's what it is. I'd like to bring up a separate point. So there was a crowdcast from Aparna and Tim and Kevin Hammond came on. So they did not init- they did not say what the pledge numbers were going to be, but they did bring out a good point that people that have minimum pledge within their stake pool if they remove any ADA from that pledge, it's like locked in some kind of smart contract. It's locked in some way. So if they remove one ADA or one Lovelace, no one in that pool will get rewards for an entire epoch. I know everyone here is probably diehard Cardano fans, but we have to think a year in the future. People who just want returns on stake, if they all of a sudden go missing for five days or maybe 10 days because they need to pull it out and win Epoch and then move it to an exchange, this and that. They're going to be very disinterested in staking within Cardano again. So there are a lot of other proof of stake protocols out there that you can already delegate and you have no fear of your, your, your funds being slashed like that in, in that sort of way. And they're not really being slashed, but your potential return on stake is being slashed. So that you have to take that into consideration. I also have to ask you a question, Rick. Okay. Because people have been sending me messages saying, I know everyone loves the Cardano project here, or most people love the Cardano project in this chat. So let's say it's in the millions. Let's say 3 million, because I think I'm with in accordance with you that this is going to be the maximum minimum pledge, if that makes any sense. That's the, that's the number. If you divide 1,000 by the circulating supply, it makes sense. It's 3 million. So let's say it's 3 million. 
people say, oh, you know, whales won't be considered, whales won't care about this. Like they'll lock up their funds for five, 10 years. Who cares? It's just 3 million. Now let's say ADA goes to 50 cents. Let's say it goes to 75 cents. Let's even be brave and say, says it approaches its all time high one day and goes back to a dollar. No matter how wealthy you are, not, there are going to be some people that leave it in. A lot of people are going to be considering taking some money off the table. How important is it? Do you think that stake pool operators will be incentivized to remove their pledge if ADA hits a certain price, especially if it's locked? Yeah, they'll sell, they'll sell and dump it. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to avoid that. I don't want to do that. Like if, let's say pledge is $3 million and ADA hits some high number, right? I want to have the option to say, okay, I'm going to pull half that and sell it and then redelegate to the pool, take the hit. Because no one's going to care if, if the, no. the delegators would be like, oh, great. I'm going to make a uh, thousand eight on my delegation. Or I'm going to make $10,000 selling it. Like, okay, what are you going to yeah. do? They're probably going to yeah. sell it, right? Yes, so, yes, yes. <laughs> so that's, that's, so yeah. we'll, we'll have to go through that turmoil. We'll have to cross that bridge when we come to it. But in the meantime, how do we just get it off the ground? How do you get this thing off the ground? That's what we need to do. We need to say, what is the closest fire to our face? And that closest fire has been, what's pledge? The number. I don't want to see a graph. I don't want to see variables. I don't want to see pretty pictures. I want a number. Yes. Give me now. That's what the, I've seen plenty of other stake pool operators say, what's pledge going to be? It's been going on too long. It's gone on too long. And we also need to know, in addition, the number of how much it increases your competitiveness in the mainnet. Will it increase the operator's rewards for locking up 3 million ADA by 1%? Or is it going to be something significant to incentivize them to lock up the ADA in the first place? Yeah. Because I guarantee you most people are not going to even take that hit if it's 1% or 5% or 10%. It has to be something significant to lock up those funds because the delegators in turn are going to be st- making a lot more money than the, than the stake pool operators because their money is more liquid. Yeah, so, especially if the pool operators drop to 1%. Yes. Especially if it dropped yes. to 1%. But we're going to stick to pledge. We've already hit on the, the pool fee number before. Okay. Yes. So, and, and so here's another question to the community is, should there be a minimum pledge? And what should the maximum be? And how do we find that number? So maybe there should be no minimum pledge. Some people say no minimum. Some people say zero. And that's fine. Um, but the whole point of pledge, that's probably the first question I should have asked is what is the point of pledge? And that is to prevent civil attacks. If you set no, no floor, if there's no minimum pledge to generate a pool in the first place, then what could happen is a bunch of people just make a bunch of garbage pools with zero pledge. They set the percent to 1% and hope that there's enough people not paying attention that they pledge to that pool and get minimal rewards and the pool operator gets some return for minimal effort or minimal skin in the game. Okay, so that's a problem. So should there be a minimum pledge? What do you guys think? Let me know in the chat. I know we haven't checked chat. Uh, Philippe and I were kind of just setting the stage and it, yes. <laughs> we just yes. got as wound up as we were before the podcast wondering why isn't this out yet? Why wasn't this <laughs> out six months ago? Why didn't we know what pledge was six or eight months ago? And here we are still asking, and hey, we're about to launch the, the friends and family. And we're like, what's pledge? Even though it's going to be fade on friends and family. Come on, guys. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's unfortunate. <laughs> So what do you guys think? Should there be a floor? Let me know in the chat. Yeah. Should should there be no floor? And then what should the ceiling be? Yes. Okay. 
I'll give you an example. I did, I did a video on my other channel. All right. Let's say the optimum pledge, which is also the maximum pledge to get maximum return. Let's say it's 3 million, just as an example. Okay. Now my son ran some math and he found some other numbers using log scale, you know, different scales and stuff like that, but we won't get, but about, let's say it's 3 million. So if, if someone manages to hit 3 million, they will get the full return on rewards. And then any number less than that gives less return. Now, you can't use a linear scale. That's what the math we looked at. We ran through math. If you use a linear scale and it's 1.5, let's say I could make one pull at 3 million or two pulls at 1.5 million, just as an example, and because I don't have 3 million, <laughs> and say, okay, I, I can get away with making two pulls at 1%, you know, fee with 1.5 million to make this much money. If you use a linear scale, it could be a problematic because it won't deter people, right? It could, maybe or maybe not, but people are strange creatures. So what might happen is just a very tiny difference between maximum and just under maximum. If you use the Sybil attack scale from Lars Brunias, that actually makes sense. We started off with that. Then we ran some math. We went off onto some different charts and we ended up coming back to the one Lars made. You're like, yeah, that does make sense. But we need a number. Yeah. So if you have, let's say you have 3 million and another person has 2.8 million, that 3 million pool will be so much more attractive to delegators that they will saturate first. That's the difference. But it depends yes. on what A0 is set to. Yes. Okay. But that's also not fair to the person who's locking up that, that amount of funds. For them to even have a saturation point hit because in reality, someone could open up smaller pools with a smaller pledge and eclipse the rewards if the rewards for that 3 million pool are not are not significant enough or not significantly higher the math it just needs we, we just need some information because there are a lot of different factors there's the pledge there's the op operating fee and there's and there's a saturation point all these have to be in tandem for it to make sense for anyone to to make that initial investment yeah. And we got some good inputs in chat. Blackstar says there should be a locked in amount of at least 250K. Okay. Okay. Uh, Sonny Stakepole says, why are you fixed on that 3 million number? Because no one else gave out any other information. And that's the number I found. And, and if, trust me. If someone doesn't like, I got to tell you, man, someone, <laughs> someone tried to call my video propaganda and FUD. Okay. You can't spell FUD without an F U. All right. <laughs> And, and that was only one person out of 1,700 people. So I like the other 1,699 people. It's a number. Okay, you want 1,000 pulls? Kegel's 1,000. Okay, count down 1,000. That's just how I did it. Okay? Yes. I'm not locked in on 3 million. It could be 1 million. I don't want it to be that high. I'm trying to manage my expectations. What would I do? What would I want it to be? I want it to be 500K. There's my answer. I want 500K. Why? Because I can manage that and still mm -hmm. sell bags. That's just my number. Give me a number. Yeah. Don't get wrapped around my number. Tell me your number. Yeah. Give us yeah. your inputs. That's why we're doing this. We got more inputs in chat. Someone says 200,000. And for those who came late, we didn't pull out the 3 million out of nowhere. Trust me. We did not pull it out of anywhere. I'll just yeah. leave it there. And Duckpool says 250K max. Thank you, Duckpool. There's a number. Okay. Thank you, Duckpool. So okay. now we got two numbers. Duckpool says 250K. I say 500K. Should we do this like an auction? Yeah. <laughs> I got 500K, 500K. Do I hear 750? 750K, 750K. Got 750. What's 750 on the chat? 750 on the chat. Anybody got 1 million? Let's do an auction. Let's auction off the pledge. So I got, I got an idea for solutions, okay? There's, there, 
<laughs> Did I do that okay? I just pulled that, that out. Of, great. I just pulled that, that out of my great. ass. I just pulled it out of my ass. Great. <laughs> the three million, I pulled that out of my ass too. <laughs> Give me a number in chat, guys. Someone says 100K. I got 100K. I got 100K. I got 500K. I got 100K. So we got 100K, 250, 500K, 250. We have, we have 50K from Crypto West. Adoja official, 150K. We have 10K from someone. Who, we got Jeffrey Spring says 1 million. So we got 50K to 1 million, 50K to 1 million. I got 50K to 1 million. Anybody want to go lower? Anybody want to go higher? What do we got? Anybody want to go 25K? Anybody want to go 1.5 million? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Sounds like we got numbers coming out here, man. So somewhere um, between 50K and 1 million so far. Someone says 20,000 is the floor. Okay. We got 20,000 to 1 million. Okay. What do we do with that? Do we submit it as a Cardano improvement proposal? <laughs> <laughs> E- oh E7 crypto numbers is 10 million. 10 million. Okay. <laughs> 10 million. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. 10 million. We got between 20,000 and 10 million now. 20. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Oh, we're I love five. you guys. Sim oh, says 45 oh, billion. <laughs> so we're from five to 45 billion now. No, we're so. Owen oh, Prescott said five. So five to 45 billion. <laughs> So I think we were doing better when we were somewhere between what was it, fifty K and one million. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone said you gotta figure out what the pool operator has. An anonymous person ran an anonymous pool and came up with two hundred and forty six thousand. Ah. Like the average pool operator has in their wallet of out of the anonymous people pulled from the anonymous poll, two hundred and forty six thousand. Someone said, so for 32 Ethereum at the time of the announcement, it was roughly equivalent to 6,000 USD. So today, 6,000 USD is around 120K ADA. That's some logic right there. Yeah. Because using when Ethereum announced Ethereum 2.0, 32 uh, 32 Ethereum for staking, that's 6,000 US dollars and 6,000 US dollars is around 120K. I like that. that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So- Ada Oracle. I just found. I just yeah. found that one. In ch- yeah, good. I, I mean, that's yeah. not unreasonable. So yeah. another question is, you know, if a stake pool is considered a small business and it has enough return on investment or returns uh, to be considered a small business, how much does it cost to start up a small business? Should someone go out there and take out a four thousand dollar loan because they don't have enough Ada, or should they take out a forty thousand dollar loan? Or, I mean, what's the plan? Let's say the current stake pool operators were just a bunch of test nuggets. And when Mainnet goes live and Cardano goes massive a year from now, all the people who are operating now, you know, if you die off, oh, well, you die off. And I'll give you an example. Let's say Emergo starts courting Verizon, T-Mobile, Vodafone, AT&T and says, hey, you know what? We want this Cardano network running on the most ultra high end hardware possible. And only you big companies can do that. And Binance and Bittrex and all those people and Right. Not just the exchanges, but the internet service providers. Yeah. Okay. And then they say, yeah. hey, internet service provider, you, you need to purchase uh, 2.8 million ADA in order to start this up. Is that a better outcome? Yeah. Well, we have a better network. Is that, is that why it's so hard to figure out pledge? So, but the numbers need to be put out there. They need to be put out there now because we know we're not going to have enough time regardless because it's already too late for people to prepare, but at least give them a few weeks or a couple months mm-hmm. so people can decide what they're going to do, whether they're going to take that small business loan, whether they're going to create a business or whether they're going to just hang it up. 
they need the numbers. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think that would be fair for all the operators that have been putting in a lot of work on the test net to start off I with. I agree completely. And I think it would be really unfortunate if someone came back and said that this video was propaganda or FUD because we are we're we're requesting answers. Are we demanding answers? No, we're not demanding, but we're putting we're putting it out there and say, look, man, we're expressing how people feel and think and like why don't we know what this number is yet? Okay. Yeah, definitely not FUD. Definitely not yeah. FUD. And first of all, for all those people that think they're FUD, Rick and I, if you know us, we've been very passionate about this project for a long period of time. As you, as everyone in this chat, when we, when we express our concerns or criticisms with certain things, it's not FUD. It is trying to make the project better. Things can really derail. The science is there. The math is there. But things can go terribly wrong. Things could go not as expected. If you look at the initial vision of this project, things have changed over time. Things have been added. Things, a lot of things have been taken out of the entire roadmap. So we need to understand exactly where this is going. We need to understand what the numbers are. And that's not too much to ask. It really isn't. The numbers are going to be important. And we have seen, I have seen, we, we know rough estimates, what people are talking about behind the scenes. We want the real numbers. Yeah, and I don't like That's numbers being put out behind the scenes saying you can't share these numbers. Don't do that to me. Come on, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. Don't, yeah. I don't even want to see it in the first place. Just Exactly. You keep it in the bucket until you put it out on the street and let people beat it up. If you're afraid of marketers, if marketers can't you know, put it out there on the street, then find a marketer that can. Yes, exactly. That's exactly. all there is to it. Find someone who's willing to take the hit and say, okay, Cardano community, we, we're sorry we mismanaged your expectations and made you think that everyone, anyone can run a pool when in reality you have to have $150,000 worth of ADA in order to run a pool. Okay? Yeah. If that's what happens, so what? Get it over with, put the number out there, take the hit. Yes, exactly, exactly. That's all there's to but, it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to see it if it's not if it's not official. Uh, put it out there, take the hit, and mm -hmm. do it. But who's but, the official? I, I asked that earlier. Who makes the call? Is it IOHK or Cardano Foundation? That's a good point. Good point. Good point. And remember, this project started a lot of the the essence. I made a lot of videos on my channel, my personal channel, about this about banking the unbanked. So we need to figure out what we're doing. What direction are we going for? Yeah. Africa is a very poor continent. I'm not going to try to offend anyone. There are When we're talking about banking the unbanked, it's about people living on less than $2 a day. Yeah. So the solutions for this, we're moving towards very low-cost solutions. I mean, people are saying they can run. The Rock Pie was introduced in the IOHK Summit in 2019, last year, about a year ago. So we're saying people can run a node and have delegators stake to their pool on a rock pie. I'm sorry, most of the people in this chat can afford a rock pie. It is a low-cost solution. So this low-cost solution that you can run literally right next to you. I mean, I have a Raspberry Pi just sitting right here on top of my computer. Anyone can get a rock pie. Okay, if it's in stock, anyone here can probably get a rock pie based on the amount of investment that you did. So you're supposed to run a rock pie, and then at the same time, you're supposed to have your millions of ADA pledge. Which one is it? And at the same time, we want to bank the unbanked and have an Af a person in Africa that is extremely poor. That's, that's the minimum requirements to run a successful Yeah. Pool. And Philippe, here's another piece of language that has changed since last year. You know, last year they were talking about a high school kid could run a note on a rock pie. Okay. Now, when the standards were put out, 
on operating a pool. The standards were put out as you have to have basic and system administrator skills. They were in the they were in the document and documentation, which is fine. I agree. You have to have some skills. You can't be you know a professional football player and run a node just because you know how to play football. Fair enough. Basic skills. But now the new language is you need to be a specialist. Okay. You need to be a specialist in basically DevOps in order to run a pool. I actually agree with that, but it shouldn't have never been put out that so a high school kid can run on a rock pie, you know, yeah. you know, and we don't even know what pledge is. Why would they even do that? Just run a passive node for what reason? Yeah. You know, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. So the, it really needs to get the messaging needs to be tied together. It needs to get sorted out. It needs to be clear and concise, no obfuscation and what is pledge. <laughs> and, and do you want this running on high-end hardware? Do you want Joe Chucklechuck to run this in his basement on a rock pie? Or do you want pro software, pro hardware? I need to make a decision. Is my current pro hardware good enough? Or do I need even more pro hardware? And there's multiple options for pro hardware, right? Running it in a data center, you got to figure out, okay, the high-end data center, the highest-end data center, and how much does that cost? Or... The highest hand end home server, which is also a professional server, and you can get professional internet to the home. I know because I've done it, for example. And then how much is that going to cost? That's why we need to know what pledge is. There, all these business decisions add up. Yes, yes. And we've got to pick which direction we're going at the end of the day. If we have, if we take something like a, let's say mutual funds or investment companies in the future, I mean, they've already started, some have started investing small portions into crypto. Let's say if it increases over time. So you think some representative at Vanguard is going to come to the Cardano community and see pools that are run by people with rock pies. I'm not trying to dis diminish anyone that has running their pool on rock pies, but these kind of solutions, they're... They're, they're low-cost solutions, but they're not what investors, big money investors are going to be looking at. They're going to be investing their money with Coinbase, Binance, or whoever is running it on professional-grade equipment at the end of the day. We, we, put, we throw out big company names all the time. You know, these companies want to make sure that they're backed by someone that is running it in some data center or has some kind of security behind it or has some kind of power behind the system that they're running. Yeah. And Philippe, let me add to something because uh, a gentleman in chat, Jarn Kavastad, says, Rick, my guest at IOHK said, it could run on a rock pie. You don't need high-end cost server hardware to run a stake pool. I agree. However, let's get the message right. You can't say Cardano is going to be able to do a million transactions per second or a thousand transactions per node and also say that you can run it on a rock pie. Those transactions require power. They require heat dissipation. Those Ethernet connectors, when they run at high speed, they will consume more power and generate more heat. Let's get the act together here, right? Yeah. What, yeah, what, what yeah. is it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to run a million transactions per section on a per second on a rock pie network. Yeah. It's just, I mean, I don't know yeah. if there's any engineer out there who's who would willing to say that, both at the same time. 
Do you know how thick those data cables are that go inside your local grocery store that connect to the terminals that you swipe your credit card in? Do you know how secure those networks are? They're not, they don't have a little rock pie hiding under the cashier's desk at your local big box store, or your grocery store. It's, it's, these are serious solutions that are being, that are being sold to these companies. It's, it's, it, there's no rock pie. I mean, these companies look for low cost solutions to try to trim the fat and mm-hmm. increase the profitability on their balance sheet. But at the end of the day, there's a bottom line that they cannot go under. They're not going to compromise their security and they're not going to compromise their ability to process a transaction by going by lowering their hardware specs. They're not going to do that whatsoever. Yeah. And of course they could use a light client, for example. But they could. They to, could. But to run it as a stake pool, I just find it kind of I'm not a you know, I'm not an engineer. But I find it difficult to believe you're going to run the ultimate world global financial network on and rock pie in the same sentence at some incredible number of transactions per second. Those transactions require energy and data. And it's just, I mean, if you told me 20 years ago what a cell phone would look like today, yeah, I'd have trouble believing it. But it's kind of hard. There's a trade-off there. The, the hardware does make a difference. And yes. it, also, if you want it to be professionals, professionals aren't going to say, oh, yeah, I'm going to run a rock pie. They're going to say, oh, I'm going to run it on a, you know, an AMD Epic or an Intel uh, Xeon or something like that with, yes, you know, they're going to give you some pretty high spec. They're going to give some pretty high spec to do it. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, but yeah, I think, I think we got off on a tangent. The key was pledge. I've seen a lot of numbers in chat. looks like there's a lot between 10 K and a million are people. Who yes. seen, it's just numbers coming up, but that was the key guys. We need to get the conversation going. Probably needed to get the conversation going months ago. Didn't realize we'd have to actually go about it this way. But okay, whatever. It's decentralized, right? Yes, yes. That means it's a cluster. (laughs) It's a cluster. And for everyone who's asking about certain interviews on TCE, trust me, Rick and I put the groundwork in. We put a lot of work in trying to source the correct people for interviews and stuff like that. So the invitations are out. Yeah, the invitation. We do not share who we invite to the podcast because that's a breach of our sort of privacy. It's yeah, it's a it's a professional policy that Philippe and yes. I have agreed to between yes. ourselves. Period. Yes, yes. We, we don't. Putting, we're not going to strong yeah. arm people on Twitter. We, no, we will no, not do that not. ever. Absolutely. Yes. Exactly. It's exactly. a professional courtesy. That's the word we used. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And one more thing. Be, one more thing with a pledge. I'm sorry. Um, so. Say it's 3 million ADA. I was talking about on the Cardano roadmap since 2017, we've been touting this sort of multi-signature transactions, this idea that multiple different custodians can control wallets. So let's say eight people team up, maybe four, you need four or five signatures in order to release funds or release something. That feature has not been implemented. So even if operators wanted to team up to try to meet a pledge requirement or try to, I don't know, let's say it was like some outrageous number, like 10 million or something like that. Yeah. And you had like 20, 30, 40 operators put together some sort of smart contract with multi-signature in order to meet that requirement. I'm just giving an example. It's not 10 million. That feature hasn't been implemented. So the solutions are very slim, you know? So Getting funding, it's, it's one thing. Securing people's funds is another thing. Operators' funds, making sure who's in control of the funds. That's a, whole, that's a whole different story. And the features have not been implemented to help operators to even explore those particular solutions. Yep. And I'm of the mindset, I don't believe it until I see it. 
that's just where I'm at. Yeah. That's where I'm at. I'll believe yeah. it when I see it, if the multi-sigs are there. It's not on the ITN, so, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll believe it when I see it, all right? Um, oh, what, so let's wrap up the discussion on Pledge, and we'll go on to the slot battles. Is, is that okay? Sounds so good. I, I don't want to end it on um, a note where, okay, Philippe and Rick just had a pissing contest, okay? We did not. Uh, we, did, we had to get it out there. We had to get the information going, okay? And we had to motivate people to get the information out, okay? The people who are responsible for it, all right? But I have some suggestions. So always end with a suggestion or a possible solution, right? Somehow, some organization or something somewhere say, okay, a stake pool operator is what's your average bag? And let's say the average bag of the stake pool operator is 250K. And you want to bring mainnet online. You're going to need some, well, you can't set it to 250K or you will not prevent civil attacks. The whole point of pledge is to prevent the civil attacks. Let's say it's 2.5 million. So what do you do? Well, the, the stake pool operators need to find those people with the bags and form a partnership or whatever it is they got to do, right? So they need, they need to know. It's going to take a lot of time to figure that out. Or here's another example. For mainnet, this is just an example. The Cardano Foundation could say, okay, uh, we'll do loans because we have multi-sig. So if multi-sig comes to fruition – they could say, okay, we'll do loans of uh, 2.5 million ADA per stake pool operator for the first six months. But after six months, you're on your own, pal. You know, suck it up. So we'll get you up and running for the first six months. But as soon as that pledge goes away, you come up with it yourself or figure out what you're going to do. And hopefully yes. by the time the six months goes by, the pros show up and take over. For example... These are just examples. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So that's one yeah. thing is, is, is find investors, find business partners, find the people or pull together. Like, let's say there's 15 pool operators and they tend to get along. They only got 100K apiece. Well, those 15 pool operators can get together, form one pool and run it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So there's ideas uh, out there, but. It's you, you don't know which path to take until you have a number. Yes. Not a yes. graph. Yes. Not a variable. A number. A number. A number. A number. A number. Like a 32 number. ETH. Wow, that was so difficult, wasn't it? Yes. 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 <laughs> that was a good idea that whoever said that in chat. I'm going to rewind and go, yeah, kudos to you. No, man. that was good. That was a good. That was a good stream of logic right there. Yeah. That was a good stream of logic. And I have to reiterate, if um, wrapping all of this up, Rick said it the best. There seems to be a uh, there. There seems to be a difference between the numbers that the scientists and the mathematicians put out there, and what was brought out to the marketers. Because the numbers that haven't been, had the number that was presented, I think that's why the number hasn't been released yet. Yeah, it's exactly why. So grow a set and get the number out. Do yes. it. Yes, I'm not afraid to do it. And people say you just make that up. So what? No, yeah, Make yeah. up your own damn number. Yeah. I don't yeah. care. But trust me. <laughs> I'm just trust me. Guys. Yeah, yeah. You you think we're made, we're we're pulling these numbers out of thin air. Trust me. Trust me. You'll you'll see. I mean, if things change dramatically, then our video really maybe put some waves out there. So, you know, we want that's what we want to put the message yeah. out there so the conversation starts. At a minimum we'll motivate the Cardano Foundation IOHK to get the word out. Yes. At yes. least we motivate them. Yes, exactly. Fire exactly. you guys up, you know, rally the forces and say, come on, guys, give us a number. Yes, yes. Because, you know, okay. uh, 
never mind. I'm not going to say it. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, slot battles. Yeah. So, I'll introduce introduce it just so you can introduce your point. Okay. Because, Rick, yesterday you released a video about Adam's equity theory. Yeah. And I encourage everyone to go to the Digital Fortress channel to watch it out. Yeah. To watch that video. 1963 is when Adam's... 1963. I hope someone looked... I hope someone who did this game theory knew knew about Adam's equity theory when they did their game theory. I really... I hope so. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Fleet. You're saying, sir. Yeah. So your video was... Your video was really on point and I wanted to transition and I wanted you to explain to all the listeners out there and the viewers what exactly slot battles are and how this has been an issue for a pretty long time for stake pool operators. So much so that lots of pools are just... Like my pool, for example, has like a 30% win weight for slot battles. And it's, it's, it's just terrible. And there seems to be a, a high concentration of nodes. And we're getting to that point where are we really going towards that decentralization route or are we just becoming centralized like BTC mining pools? And I wanted to pass it over to you and we're going to have a conversation okay. about it. Thank you, sir. The effect has already occurred. I still got people saying, oh, that's not true. That's just the feeling. No, it already happened. Okay. All right. Here's an example. Slot battles. What are they? We're not hype battles. Slot battles. It's part of the protocol. It's when two different nodes pick the same slot and they both create a valid block at the same time for the same slot. The block that propagates the network the most wins. Eventually, the protocol will resolve it. Instead of it creating a permanent fork, it'll create the main chain and the other one will become a stub and get pruned away. Okay. Now, it should be, in general, in theory, a 50-50 chance every time this occurs that it would be a coin toss and one of them would get picked and one of those nodes would win and get the rewards and the other one would not. Okay. If it was a 50-50, that would be fine. No one would have a problem with it, okay? But it's not 50-50, okay? It is not. There are certain areas, geographic regions, that have higher probability, and certain geographic regions have a very low probability. The end result is, the end, the end result that's already occurring and has been happening is you're getting higher concentration of nodes in the same geographic area. That's fine, as long as we understand it and recognize it and call it a problem. Okay. And then we figure out how to resolve it. Okay. So I went to pull up a text and I'll tell you, if you simply go, I didn't pull it, pull it up yet, but if you simply sort, if you take the European geographic region, the current amount of pledge that is not, I'm going to discount IOHK and Emergo, the current amount of pledge in the European geographic region is 2.7 billion above 50%. So all the f above 50% fall in Europe uh, with the exception of Australia and one other point. That's 2.7 billion. The US and a few other countries that fall at the 50% line are 800 million. All the remaining countries, the 83 countries that fall below the 50% line only have a total of 500 million. Okay? So 500 million, 800 million, 2.7 billion, not including the 1 billion from 1 PCT. That would be 3.7 billion. So that migration has already occurred. The concentration of nodes in Europe 
has occurred. People bringing up new nodes are setting up in Europe. That That's fine. If they want to win slot battles, that's where they'll set them up. And people think it's insignificant, but it's not because people want to use that as a marketing tool and say, oh, look, I'm winning more battles. I can use that to market my pool. And people will migrate just like pledge would give a pool an advantage. Higher pledge gives a pool advantage. Higher slot battle wins also gives a pool an advantage. Okay. So what do we do about it, right? Okay, so, we, so we've identified a problem that will cause geographic centralization. Do we care? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe we don't care and just say, screw it. I don't care. We just let it happen. Then we end up like Bitcoin centralized in China. If you're okay with that, fine. <laughs> right? Yeah. So how do we fix it? I'm going to give you an example. Okay, here's, how, here's what I did. Okay, I measured the time. So where are the most successful nodes? Well, they're the Hetzner nodes in Germany. There's a couple of them in France and a couple of them in, in uh, Sweden. And what I did, I measured the distance, 103 milliseconds to the center of mass, 103 milliseconds to the geometric center of the network. And then that was the round trip. I divide by two. That gave me 51 milliseconds. I, and five days ago, I advanced my node timing by, or four days ago, I advanced it by 51 milliseconds. I've won almost every single slot battle since. Digi2 went from a 48% slot battle win to 54%. He's been going up ever since. So it works, okay? Digi was at, so they averaged between 47 and 48. And they would bobble down to 46 and tip up to 49. They never went above 50. Never went above 50. I put that 51 millisecond advanced timing offset, and now there are. So what is the answer, all right? So the solution that I propose, because I don't hear any other ones that we can use, uh, is you identify the geometric center of the network based on the timing, the millisecond delay. Now, this isn't unusual. This is how... This is, I'll give you an example, the very large array telescopes, the radio telescopes that look into outer space, the very large arrays are spaced out across a large area. And when you have a very large array, the timing between the receivers is critical for it to work correctly. How far are they spaced apart? Now, the guy driving the bulldozer building the basement of the very large array telescopes, he's not measuring in nanometers, but the telescopes are measuring nanometers. So they got to adjust the timing to make sure it works just right. Same thing with the network, the Cardano network. It's a very high-speed network spread out over a very large area. So you're going to have to adjust the timing. So I'll give you an example. The geometric center of the array of the nodes, the array of nodes, happens to fall in the middle of Europe. Sheer coincidence. It could be anywhere. It could be Antarctica. It could be the North Pole. I don't care. It's nothing against Europe. That's just where it happens to be based on node density. That's the geometric center, Okay. So what you do is, now they can't advance their nodes. You can't advance the timing. They're already in close proximity, so adjusting the timing isn't going to do them any good. They're best off being at the most precision time possible. The further you get from that center in milliseconds, you simply advance your node. The, the timing by micro milliseconds, just bits of milliseconds. So let's say my node is a 51 millisecond offset advance, and that puts me at the Hetzner node at the same time that Hetzner node thinks that the block should arrive, the block arrives in Germany, okay? Let's say you live in Canada and it's a 150 millisecond delay. Well, then you advance your node by 75 milliseconds. 
Now, I didn't figure this out all myself, right? I'm not that smart. I'm not smart enough to do it. The only reason I was able to kind of figure it out and put all the pieces together is because other people also figured it out and they're willing to talk to me, okay? But why, don't, why doesn't IOHK put this out? I don't know. They probably understand this problem. I don't know why they don't publish it. And, and then the pool operators, why don't pool operators talk about this stuff? Well, I'll tell you why. Because it's a business secret. If you figure it out first, you win, right? Yeah. Okay. It just took me a lot of time putting little pieces together here and little pieces together there. And now is the answer that people say, oh, I'm never going to talk to Rick again because we'll just tell him our secrets. No, we're still too early in the test net. Nobody's going to do that. But when a pool operator finds an advantage, they're going to keep it to themselves. That's just how people behave. That's just how people are. If you find an advantage, you're going to keep it to yourself. And so all I had I said to say, okay, man, I'm going to have to suck it up and just tell them this is what happened. This is how yeah. it works. And I, I wouldn't know this if it weren't for all of the other awesome pool operators. Shout out to all of those of you. You know who you are who helped figure this out. But it's so difficult to talk about. That's the same problem we have with pledge. People are afraid to talk about it. But you find an advantage, you're afraid to talk about it because it has a financial advantage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't blame you. I can't blame you. I didn't want to talk about it either. I'm like, damn it, I don't want to talk about that. But in a big scheme of things, the only way to the, I, I can think of to solve it is to identify the, ge, you know, the geometric center of the network and calculate the timing. So if you're running a node in remote Africa, let's say Nigeria, and it's a 150 millisecond hop to Italy, and then a 30 millisecond hop to the center of France, Germany, Netherlands, NLBE area, then you're going to have to take half of that and half of that, you know, I say hop, you know, round trip, and then add that to your time. And that will adjust for your position on the earth. There's all kinds of things that do that. You know, you get satellite, GPS satellites up there. The time, you get time from satellites, GPS. Every device out there compensates for, oh, there's a certain distance and a certain amount of time. How do I calculate? And it accounts for that change in distance and time. Why should the Cardano network also do that? It should. It's a big giant array. Like the satellites out there with the GPS and internet and Elon Musk, who's losing his mind, uh, <laughs> or his Twitter account got hacked. You're putting up all the, the, the satellites. They have to compensate for time and distance. The Cardano network is not immune to that. The Cardano network is subject to the same laws of physics as everything else. And you just got to figure it out. And then, and so, Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's I mean, how it works. That's how the rest of the planet works. Why are we any different? <laughs> that was that was uh that was a powerful point, Rick. And uh I think uh there may be a lot of people that just keep their blinders on and say it's perfect, but the system is obviously you can kind of game the system at this point and there are things that need to be fixed. It's just the 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 fact of the matter. I mean, we're talking about something that's we're we're trying to build high assurance code here. And some of these problems that we're, we're facing, it, it's, it's not high assurance. It, it doesn't implement, it doesn't indicate high assurance to me at all. Yep. Why, so, yeah. Why do you think there's so many different network time protocol servers? They're spread all over the planet. Why do you think the default, your computer doesn't just query one network time protocol server. It's because they have to be all over the world to queries one and figure some stuff on. Okay, now I know what time it really is because of the delay. Same thing in the Cardano network. 
wherever the geometric center ends up, you got to calculate the time to get there and then compensate by adjusting the node time. Good luck with that on Windows. I don't know how to help. I don't know how it works on Windows, man. <laughs> Fortunately, a lot of people know how it works on Linux. And on Mac, I'm like, okay, I guess I better do it on Linux. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mac is making, click a button. Okay, I want the time synchronized. And it synchronizes. But if you want to change it, good luck, bro. <laughs> All right. So I, I don't mean to take the bully pulpit here. I apologize for if I came across that way. It's taken the bully pulpit, but it had to be addressed. It's got to be addressed. People are coming up with all kinds of, of ideas like, oh, we need to make it a coin toss, make a coin toss algorithm to make it 50-50. No, it, that's not going to work. It's not going to work because then it's still, this node does a 50-50, this node does a 50-50. What happens when they come up with a different result? You still have two forks. It's still forks. Rick, can we talk about how, why there are so many slot battles to start off with? It's, it's kind of outrageous. The number, the quantity is, is insane. It's supposed to be 5% based on the math. About 5%. Thank you, Priyank, you genius. I mean, I kind of figured that out from multiple people uh, and also looking at the numbers. But based on the 22nd parameter and the 0.1, that means there's a slot every two seconds and a block every 20 seconds, um, which means there's a 5% chance of a slot battle, which is okay. As long as the average for all nodes is 50%, well, it's always going to be 50%, as long as the node on average has 50%, okay? So that's how it is because if, it, if it's 50%, if it was fair – then the average would always be 50%. Let's say you flipped a coin a thousand times and I flipped a coin a thousand times. You, you would come up with heads or tails about 500 and 500 and I would come up with the same thing. But that's not how it works. Let's say you're standing in Missouri and you flip your coin a thousand times and because you're standing in Missouri, it comes up 700 times, it comes up heads. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. That's not going to work. Yeah. Otherwise, everyone's going to go to Missouri to flip their coin. And then you end up having a Super Bowl in Missouri, which will kind of suck. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're like, hey, we're going to have it in Missouri so we can get the, get the coin toss. If, any, yeah. if anyone else, if the Super Bowl coin toss worked like that, the way that the current slot battles work, they'd throw it in the trash. They would never tolerate it. They would say, wait a second, the dice are loaded. Yeah. <laughs> Your dice are yeah. loaded. <laughs> no, it's true. That is true. And for, for people thinking that this is a smaller problem than it should be, trust me, it's a larger problem because it's not being addressed. Yes. And we're going to be exactly like the BTC community in a few years. Everyone's going to be sharing those dumb pie charts showing centralization and showing all the problems with the Cardano network. Yep. Mark my words, if this does not get fixed, you're going to be just seeing the same thing. Look at this. Look at this. Look at all the nodes here. Look at all the Look nodes in Europe. Look, yeah, look yeah. at all the nodes. That's what will happen. Look at the slot battles. Well, and you're talking about a centralized, a decentralized coin. This is the most yep. centralized coin out of – it's going to be the exact same yeah. narrative. Because it's and already it occurring. The, the, yeah. the nodes are migrating. Pool operators that are starting – it's not because I'm saying it. I'm not incentivizing them. I am calling the problem a problem. I'm calling the problem a problem. Yeah. The nodes are migrating to Europe. They're winning more slot battles. Therefore – 
there's more stake going on those nodes. Therefore, more nodes migrate. Therefore, there's more stake. Therefore, more migrate. When does it, it'll never end. It'll end it's up endless feature, over a couple of years. They'll just all pull up until they squish into a singularity like a black hole just getting sucked into one point. That's what will yes. happen. Yes. We can either call it what it is now or we can ignore it. Yes. I'm not going to ignore it. No. I'm not going to ignore it. We're not going to sweep this under the rug, and that's not our that's not our purpose. And Rick and I, I like to clarify, Rick and I have been part of this project for a long period of time, a long period of time. And we are as passionate as every single one of you. And we spend a lot of time working and trying to figure out what this project can do to take it to the even the next level. Rick and I have full-time jobs, okay? Outside of this, we, we work for a living. So this is our hobby. This is our passion. We are passionate about this. So when we bring up these things, we're not, this is, there's no FUD in this. There's no FUD. There's no, we're just putting out the problems because they're not getting addressed. Yeah. So we, it's either we, we address it or the troll in the next video addresses it or the troll in two years on Twitter shows us the pie chart. Which one do you want? Yeah. And let me explain, let me kind of address Calling the difference between calling out a problem that's important and FUD, okay? All right. If you have a financial problem, people call it a problem. If you have a medical problem, people call it a problem. If you have a car problem, people call it a problem. But if you have a crypto problem, people call it FUD. That's a bunch yeah. of horse crap. Yeah. <laughs> it's not FUD. It's just calling it what it is, okay? I see some people arguing in chat that something is not the way it is. Um, okay, you're free to disagree. You're, you're also free to be wrong. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Doesn't change the fact that you're wrong. So, <laughs> so yeah. So it's just how it is, man. I'm glad yeah. some people are. Yeah. Okay. I understand. And if, if you disagree, show me the numbers. I already sorted the numbers. It's real simple. You go on pull tool, you select pull information. I can pull it up right now. Uh, I already did it on my other channel. I guess I don't need to, right? Unless you want me yeah. to. But you just sort by country and then you look at sort by slot battles and look at where everything is gravitating towards. It's right there on pool tool. It is poking us in the eye and people still want to say it's not there. That's like me saying the sun didn't rise. Okay. Yes. All right. The sun is, the sun is set because someone disagreed. It's right there on yes. pool tool. Yes. Operators are put, setting up new nodes in, in the center of gravity area. doesn't matter where yes. that area is. They'll figure it out, and that's what's going to happen. And we have a quick question from Sim saying, is the ITN data on slot, on slot battles necessarily going to be representative of the Haskell mode, node? It, it could be. Uh, that's the thing. Can I answer Haskell's that? not going to be perfect. <laughs> yeah, hit that one. Hit that one. Yes, because well, there's no difference between Rust and Haskell. As they're both Turing complete unless you program the Haskell differently. They're still using the same internet. The example I gave on my other channel, I can have a Porsche. Let the Porsche represent Haskell. And I've got a Toyota, also a good car. And that's Rust. And I put them on the freeway, right? Porsche is faster. The destination for the Toyota is the next city. The destination for the Porsche is on the other side of the country. But the speed limit is 70 miles an hour, and that's the internet, right? The speed limit is out there on the internet. So this timing problem is not a function of Rust or Haskell. Unless they implement it completely different, I don't know. 
But the timing problem is not a function of Russ or Haskell. It's a time. It's a function of the size of the planet Earth and the distance between the nodes and the internet. How fast is the internet? It's not a function of the node. So I don't. I do not believe there will be a difference in the Haskell node. I do not believe it until I see it. I have no reason to believe otherwise. Yeah, that's just all there is to it. <laughs> I can't. That's all there is to it. <laughs> So the, I mean, the other solution here, here's the other solution. I gave one solution, the timing to the geographic center. In my opinion, that's the best solution. Uh, the other solution is to do a forced geographic distribution where you create more nodes in a remote country. Let's say, uh, what's that country? It was either Ecuador. There's some country, uh, in near South and Central America, uh, that has a node running. Okay. But that is a lot harder to do. Because someone has to pay for that. I can't just inspire somebody in the next town or the next state and say, hey, can you set up a node so that I can win slot battles? No. It's too easy for me to change the setting in the slash etc slash crony slash crony d dot conf file and add the word offset 0.051 and boom, my problem solved. Would that take me like 10 seconds? Okay. That's all yeah. you got to do. The easiest solution is the best. Occam's razor. Yes. Simplest solution. Yes. Calculate the distance. You don't have to go park your node in some other country. You can park your node in your country, figure out the geometric center. And if you can't hit the 50% number, you suck it up. Now, what's the, what's the, draw, what's the result? Well, if people do that and they bring their – there's nodes out there running at uh, 20 25 30%. They bring themselves up to 50%. That has to come from somewhere. That's going to come from those nodes running at 75%. That's going to bring them down to 50. And when most of the nodes come to 50, then the network's at equilibrium. About 50. It's, it's unrealistic to say everybody will hit 50. But as long as you're in the general vicinity, you're okay. Right now, we're lopsided. Yes. And if yes. someone disagrees, show me the numbers. Yep. <laughs> you can check my numbers out over in Digital Fortress. They're there. <laughs> Show me the numbers. If you oh. think Haskell's would be different than Rust, show, uh, show me. I would yeah, like to see. Yeah. I'd be so happy. Yeah. I hope it is. Yeah, I'll smoke my hopium. Yeah, let me hit that hopium, bro. <laughs> At this point, we're pretty far off into the project. I'm like Rick. I'll believe it when I see it. I'll believe it when I see it. Yep, that's where I'm at. Thinking that, yeah, thinking that uh, there's a pro, there's a solution in the next week or the month that's gonna. Just erase all these problems. I I, I highly doubt yeah. it. Yeah, but they need they need to start being addressed, and people need to start. You know, to just I would to, like to, to just say that Haskell to just say the Haskell implementation will fix it because it's Haskell yeah. is it's foolish. Yeah. It yeah, really is. It's, it is. Yeah. I won't. You know, unless yeah. it's implemented different. Now here's here's the part that also drives me nuts. Okay, the Rust implementation. The engineers say. They followed the spec. Okay. And the Haskell nodes are also following the spec. Therefore, they're the same. My Toyota yeah. and my Porsche. Yeah. My speed limit is whatever that freeway out there is. That's all I got on that, man. Check chat. Yeah. God. Yeah. Dude, this yeah. is like. Oh, yeah. Well, we got out the problems. We definitely yeah. got out the problems. We talked about Pledge in this uh, live stream episode. And we also talked about, I mean, how they were going to affect stake pool operators and delegators. And we also talked about slot battles. So we got our piece out. And uh, yeah, I mean, 
So how do how do we do it? There. Twitter survey. How do we how do we get pledge? How do we find that number? Let me know in the chat. We had numbers that ranged from what what was it about twenty thousand to one million? Yeah, was the, yeah, something like that. I, and, and please don't think I'm biased and I'm cherry picking the numbers. I get people accusing yeah. me. You cherry pick. Everybody cherry yeah. picks. Yeah. Okay. Some guy said forty five billion. That doesn't solve the problem. Yeah. <laughs> and some person said five. So yeah. that doesn't solve the problem either. Yeah. So yeah. So how do we do it? Yeah. How do we how do we find the answer? Do we just sit back like a bunch of sheep and wait for uh IOHK to feed it to us? Okay, guys, here's yeah. the number. <gasps> okay. Yeah. You know. The 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 docu- the documentation is out there. It's all it's already out there. It hasn't been released. So the documentation's out yeah. there. So by making noise right now, you can start sparking the conversation and seeing what the community would like. So yeah. I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to leave it at that, too. That's a good yeah. thing to end it on. Get your inputs. Make yep, some get noise. Get your inputs. Yep, that's me and Philippe can't do it. I know a lot of times people want me to come on the Cardano Effect and fight a battle on their behalf, and I, I just can't carry all that weight. But I can take the closest fire to our face. Yeah. And oh, these, these, these fires have been too close to our face for far too long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's problems out there, and I believe IOHK knows what those problems are, but they don't tell anyone because they're trying to f- find a fix for it before they tell anyone. Yeah. Not security related either. Yeah. So. Okay. Well. Um, anyone, you know, I'd like to put an open invitation. You know, if anybody wants to come on the Cardano effect, uh, just let us know to cardanoeffectgmail.com and talk about <laughs> what pledge should be and why. <laughs> or make, do, do me a favor, make some inputs, make some PowerPoints or graphs and put a real number on it. Plug in a real number. Pick one. I don't care. 20,000, 20 million. Just yeah. Pick a number, plug it in, and look, this is what happens. Yeah. <laughs> this would have been the perfect episode to have the the live phone in calls. That would have been that would have been <laughs> God. Yeah, Philippe and I tested that. Philippe tested it. Thanks, Philippe. Yeah, we couldn't do we can't do live call-ins because it will show your phone number on the screen. Yeah, yeah. Philippe yeah. did a test on it and his number popped up. And we're like, Nuff. Yeah. We'd love to have you call in, but we got to figure out a workaround for that security problem. Yeah, yeah. And we don't want to switch from Zoom because it's really convenient with uh, YouTube live streaming. Yeah. Zoom yeah, has its so. security issues, but if you're building a podcast, it's not like you're really worried about security. Exactly. You know? Exactly. I, I mean, you are. It's always good, but we can't have users, uh, viewers' phone number popping up on our screen. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Unbeknownst exactly. to them. Yes, yes. Because it'll, it'll be broadcasted out onto YouTube. Yeah. So Zoom still has some security issues to fix. Yeah. But it is good podcasting because we get good audio and video. People gave me feedback, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this was uh, um, an exciting live stream episode. We appreciate everyone coming to check this out. I mean, it's our um, we've gone for a little bit over an hour. We appreciate you all spending your Saturday morning or afternoon or midday with us on the Cardano Effect. This is the official quarantine and crypto edition of the Cardano Effect, episode 87. Thank you. We have a couple of episodes planned this month that should be exciting. We're still working on, of course, the pledge episode and stuff like that, but Trust me, Rick and I, we communicate and we're doing a lot of behind the scenes work to make sure that the correct guests are coming on and we have questions answered. So don't think that we're sitting on our laurels at all. 
And if not, if we don't get any guests, you're going to see us on our live streams. So we appreciate you. Enjoy your weekend. Stay safe. Uh, drink some water and have fun. All right. The episode 87 of the Cardano Effect. Bye, everyone.